Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,284. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Marietta, Georgia, with a very special guest by the name of Germany Greer. Germany, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Yes, I am. I'm not just not sure how many speeds there are. <laughs> we'll find out as we okay. go down the road here together. Don't worry, I'll take good care of you. We won't hit any... Uh, Jersey barriers or go off any steep cliffs, I promise you. Now, uh, before I give you a proper introduction and we dive into the world that you're obviously having fun in when it comes to automobiles, what's one little thing that most people don't know about Germany Greer that you're you're willing to share? That I'm willing to share? Hold on, where's that list? I really don't know. I'm a photographer, first of all. Uh That's what made me very popular in the last 12 years in the car industry. Some of the photos I took, I was trying to hang another one on the wall here from the uh, George Hamilton series from Mercedes Center in Birmingham. But I have a lot of demand for certain pictures, for certain people, for certain projects. And that's what I primarily do. So everything else became secondary until the cars came up and I ran into some people. I took photos of their vehicles in competitions or races and they had additional cars and that was it. And here I am. I wound up with, as you noticed, several different types of cars and a lot of race cars, and I don't like to drive fast. So, <laughs> so that's what I like to do. I, I really enjoy my photography uh, to the point I've, I've been taking photos since mm, 1963. Wow. Yeah, so I've, I've, I'm pretty, pretty reasonably good at it. And the demand is high uh, for particular things, and I have the option of turning a lot of projects down or asking people to you know, find someone else or I'll help them find someone else. And it's not really the, the project financial proportion of it it's the it's the quality of the shot or the the feeling you get when you sit down with a customer and they want a rapid series or this that and the other and i'm looking more at the background the natural light the different focuses the different points and you know the wedding photography for example i'll just say you know just turn me loose i come in to come i become a part of the background at the reception i'm sorry at the rehearsal and that's it and then you wind up with a complete story. Uh, and I think that's the best way to do it. Ah. So I usually give a whole series of, you know, the 58 shots that you have to have and all that. I just, if they hire me, they know they don't have to worry about it. And that's what I like to do. So. Sounds like fun, for sure. Well, let me give you a proper introduction. We're going to dive into the many facets of your life. <laughs> Germany Greer has had a deep abiding love for the classic car since his childhood. He has restored over 35 automobiles ranging from a 1954 Crown Vic to a 1972 BMW Bavaria. That's quite a range. His most recent project is a 1985 Mercedes-Benz, a car he enjoys driving and showing in the Atlanta area. He's judged in numerous Concours events, including Amelia Island, which we just experienced, Hilton Head, the European Festival, and the Shelton Vineyards Concours. And Germany writes for several publications, including Automobilia, the SL Market Letter, the Mercedes-Benz Star, I see a trend here, and Hemmings Classic Car. In addition to these talents, he's an avid photographer, as he mentioned, who loves to visit automotive museums around the country. We'll talk about that too. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsors, so give them a little They keep the petrol in the tanks here. Buckle up. We'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up. 
way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around. I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Are you thinking about selling your classic or exotic car? Do you want to list your vehicle at an auction but aren't too sure about where or how to start? The pros at classic.com, well, they can help you out. There's a lot involved in putting your car up for auction. And if you want to represent your ride in its best light, You'll need quality photographs, videos, plus an accurate and detailed write-up, not to mention being available to handle the tough questions from qualified buyers. The process can be a lot to deal with, and mistakes can cost you thousands of dollars. Your car is unique, and your marketing plan should be too. My friends at Classic.com, well, they're here to help. They'll handle all the details from an inspection, from a qualified professional, detailed photo shoot, an accurate written description, and your car will be represented to an extensive market by the pros at Classic.com. Be smart and do it right. Talk to a pro about selling your car today. Go to Classic.com slash cars yeah. That's Classic.com slash cars yeah. And tell them Mark sent you. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. They're talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. So, Germany, let's talk a little bit about this. You mentioned that you've been shooting photography since 63. Oh, my goodness. That, that's a long time. 1963. I know. Yeah. No, no, not quite that long. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they had cameras in 1863. I think they did. But also judging at Concours events, riding, uh, restoring cars. I mean, you're doing everything around cars. But I want to go back a little bit. What brought you into this car category? Has this been your profession your whole life? Or is this a hobby turned into a career or a later career or a second or third career? I think it was more of a necessity. That 54 Ford, for those of you who have ever seen those, became a, a, a wonderful uh, as a result of one of those products, uh, it had a, a consumption issue with oil, 292 Fords, and it was my first vehicle I received at 15, so I had to actually build it. And and when I manufactured it, it came out fine. It was my high school car. Uh, and that's what started. I took a hiatus, of course, for college and things, and I wound up with Volkswagens, and I wound up reconstructing and building those. So they were always a hobby. And after a while, I wound up about 14 years ago receiving a carcass of a Suzuki 
which is really strange. It was a Suzuki Aereo, and it's like the the sister car to the Avio. I'm the Avio, I think the Chevy Avio, but it was a Japanese version, and it had a hundred and thirty horsepower engine in it. I took it to two seventy five. Oh my gosh! And I and it was really it was a lot of fun. Uh, and that was it. And then I ran into some people that had the two of those Mercedes that are in that list that I gave you. And uh, the doctor asked me, he says, well, what are you working on now? And I showed him. I said, let's go for a ride. And he says, well, I'll ride by the house. I went over to his home and he had the uh, Bavaria in his yard with the trees growing through it. Right on through, right on through the roof. Actually. What? Oh, my God. And he said, well, you know, you might like this. I said, no, I'll scrap it. Uh, he said, and then my son said, and. You know, don't scrap it. It's uh, I know some people in D.C. that race those uh, 3.0s. And I said, well, it was uh, it was a challenge. But I said, OK, let's take it home and look at it. So we hooked it up to the old Jeep and it, it kind of flattened the tires. We brought it home and he called me back and we went back and he said, uh, I talked to the wife. If you're going to keep it, she said, come on back. We went back to his home and he said, take these two Mercedes also. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of my. That wasn't the end of my life. <laughs> After that, it was all, all uphill, and they were in the garage. Absolutely ex- excellent vehicles. And I brought those out, dusted them off, uh, polished them up, and started showing them. And that was in, I believe, it was in t- 2012. And I've been raking in awards and everything since then. And I still have both of them. Wow! But that one, that uh, Sportline 300 CE, is my favorite road car, and it is incredible. Um, so that's been the that's been the change. And then that from that point on, I've been receiving classic cars. I don't think I've purchased one yet. What? I, six. <laughs> yeah, they just people just can you take care of my baby? I'm not have, well. Who's going to feed this baby, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's been it's been fun. So I did that, and and when I run out of those projects, a lot of people want to come in and purchase them, and I say, well, I'm committed here, and I wind up with a couple others. So I do that. I've, I've taken that skill to boats and motorhomes also because I wanted to step back a little bit from the from the cars. And I said, let's combine that. So I took an old from that from that yellow, uh, the 360. I was sitting in the yellow one, the Ferrari. Um, the gentleman uh, Adam Merlin, he had a, a C6 Corvette in the back of his lot, and in front of it was an old motorhome, 85, 86 Ford 460, and it was just a mess. And I said, Adam, what do you want for the C3? And he looked at me. He said, Forget. That's not really how he said it. The C- <laughs> the c3 uh get that thing out of in front of it and you can have both of them and i my son looked at me and cracked up laughing he says i don't believe it <laughs> so that was it so i restored that ford motorhome and just laid it out really nice and, wow. and, and put up a, a um a large trailer on the back and i put the cars on the back sometimes for the local shows or somewhere in the state ordinarily and i'll take it to the shows and everything is is, is reasonable at that point and then i have the um sometimes i'll drive the like some of some of those cars I'll drive them on to the to the shows, but ordinarily I'll just use that to pull them around. So that's that's what happened, it, and it's still on. I haven't been able to get this virus <laughs> out of my system, <laughs> but it's it's still there. So we're gonna put uh, Germany's phone number on this show, and if you have something in your yard you want to get rid of, no, just you don't. Give, just give them a call. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I knew you were. I knew you were going to answer that way. I'm just like, okay, here's the guy who will come and take anything off of your your land uh, and deal with it. No, I won't do that to you, I promise. But it's a fascinating story how this has evolved and become a passion for you. And the other thing that you like to do is, you know, you go to shows, obviously, you judged at Concord events, which is tremendous, but writing. And that's kind of how we got 
hooked together because Sharon Sperlin from Automobile, you said, hey, you got to have Germany on your show. He's just a great guy. And one of the fun things about Germany, I'll tell you listeners, is I usually don't get to talk to my guests before they even call in. Many of them I've never spoken to before. It may sound like we're good old friends. That just means I'm doing a good job or I've got Better yet, I've got great people. But in this case, I've had the pleasure of talking to Germany several times. Let's talk a little bit about this writing because in uh, issue number 27, you go to a place called the Rambler Ranch and you meet Rambler two Ranch. brothers, Terry and Brent. Gail, but before we maybe talk about the Rambler Ranch, what got you into the writing side of this? Was this another one? Well, Germany will do it. Yeah, that's what happened. I was uh, I was in the Mercedes-Benz Club of America as a director and they, they had a uh, newsletter. Yeah, it was a newsletter. And I said, you know, there's a lot of activity. Let's start this stretch this thing. So we went roughly from uh, six pages to 18 pages. And every time I'd go to a show, I'd write it up and prepare it and put pictures with it. So we, we blew it up pretty well. Um, I don't. I think I did one article for their Star Magazine, and then I concentrated on the local club. And we went uh, that next year after all of that work. There was I think 17 concourses. Uh, we went to section of the year. And they all stood up and said, "We didn't do this. You did it." I said, "Yeah," and I quit. No, <laughs> yeah, I'm done. <laughs> it was a lot of it was a lot of work, um, but it was that's what happened. And then I wound up. Um, other people sourced the articles, and they would call. When is it? Mer- the Mercedes Star. There's a place in in Frankfurt uh, called Star Timer, which is a magazine. I'm sorry, a museum. And that gentleman, I met him at uh, Hilton Head years ago, back in 2015. And he called from Frankfurt. He said, can you do a, a, a story for my opening? And I wound up going to Frankfurt and shooting that. And, and that it's just a lot. And then Sharon, I ran into Sharon. I, th- I think I ran into you in 13 or 14. I want to say it either a million or Hilton Head. And I, when you were just doing this, we were talking about the, um, the demise of Click and Clack. Ah, yes. And you talked about starting a new program. And I think uh, – uh, and at that time, when I was over in, in Germany doing the Star Timer article, I came back here and everyone said, well, you know, how many more you want to do? I said, I don't know, it's a lot of fun. And Sharon tracked me down. So I, she asked me if I was willing to go back to doing that. I think it was in April of last year. I said, no, not until June because I wanted to finish some projects, and which was nice. But as we know, Sharon, so the next day I received a packet and, <laughs> oh, yeah. and that was it. Off we went for the first article. Uh, and it was a local shop here. It's a, called the Savoy, a new automobile museum here in Cartersville, which is about 18 miles from here. And uh, I contacted them, and, of course, I knew maybe 30% of the, the owners and the people. I go in there at 6 o'clock in the morning and did my story and came out and produced it. That was article – that's the, the edition number 23. And it, it's uh, it's been – it's been crazy ever since. It's been really wonderful. No, it sounds like you're having fun. Uh, I had a, uh, a macro Adair who's the executive director from the Savoy uh, yes. on my, on my podcast back in, uh, well, actually it was uh, about a year ago, something like yeah. that. Yeah. So she's been a guest on the show. Well, it sounds like you found the secret sauce to life to combine, combine your passion into some work related things. I like to ask my guest about what I call our driving inspirations, mentors or influential people in your life that you've encountered that have really made a difference. And I found that most people have somebody like that in your life. Is there somebody like that for you? On the driving side, uh, I want to say yes. I want to say no. <laughs> I, I think from the last maybe 15 years, the Barber Museum, the Barber, Skip Barber's group. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Jim Roberts from um, Mercedes-Benz in Birmingham, who was our director for, our regional director for a while. I'd follow him to the vintage racing and, and that kind of thing with the old uh, BMW. But there have been many people that I've, I've watched drive. AJ, of course, AJ Foyt. Mm. 
Um, I, I grew up in that magical series when we had the the electric cars on the floor. And since I was originally from Detroit, there were four large model car manufacturing locations. And on Thursday evenings, we would go there and they the odd cars that didn't work out and they, they were still in boxes. They'd sell them to us for a nickel. So on Saturday nights, uh, my friends and I would have our large spot in our backyard where we had used to have a, a big cement pad and we'd put all the pieces together and build cars. So that was it. We went to a lot of drag races, which was really not my thing. Uh, and then we went to, oh, I don't know what it was. I, I, I'll have to take that back. 1960, <laughs> 1963. Whoa. Oh, yeah. 1963, 62, 63, 63 January 22nd. There was a car show in Cobo Hall. And that the preceding fall, we took a 55 Ford Thunderbird. It was... Yellow and rusty, and and they and the gentleman I was with when we were children, we restored that Thunderbird. And we somehow acquired um, the paint from that Motors GM, I think it was, and that color was an experimental color for the '63 Cadillac, and it wasn't supposed to be introduced until September. We wound up with two gallons of it. We added some metal flake. It was a dark green. It's still around. Every time I see it, I go crazy. I think they had it out about four years ago. It was out again. We redid that Thunderbird, put it in the Cobo Hall show, the Detroit Auto Show in 63. I was X-15, 12, 15 years old, something. And won first prize. It was fascinating to me. It was it was a heck of an experience. And I think I've, I've never got it out of my system at that point on. The only problem we had about three weeks later, we started receiving these letters. <laughs> Then we said, you know, we didn't know any better. It was like, why did you take our color? It was a fantastic color. I think it was duplicate, that duplicate color. Uh, Dessler. Dessler. Oh, yeah. It's an old name. Yeah. And um, we won, but we added the metal flake. And the what I learned from that metal flake then, because, you know, they used fish chips and all kinds of things to make it balance, is the acidic balance reacted to the steel. So by the 1st of August, the car was brown. Whoa, really? Metal that's from the acid and the metal flake and the paint. So I, that's it, that. I, I was never the same from that point on. We worked so hard. I don't know where that car is today. I, I tried to track it down. I believe um, Gary Rock was his name. Uh, Steve was his dad. I believe it's in Florida, and he's tried to paint it several times. So that's what started it. And and you know it's it's been a it's been a side hobby ever since. Oh, sounds I'll, like I'll fun. never forget that experience. So here it is, sixty three. To 2013, I think 2013 was the next auto show that I <laughs> and I took <laughs> first prize at the um, what was it called the Eurofest at Birmingham. I'm sorry, in uh, Greenville in 2013 yeah. on the BMW front lawn with that uh, two two what that's a 1992 300 CE wow. <laughs> Mercedes Benz. So I, I felt good about it. It's a long gap, but it was this. So I said, you know, it's back. That's fascinating. What a story. Well, the other thing I like to talk about are challenges and ask people about a great challenge they faced either in their career or their life. But the more important part of this story is what was the really valuable lesson now that you can look back and go, you know, that was a pain to go through, but I'm kind of glad I learned a lesson from that experience. Is there something like that in your life? Uh, there's a couple of them, but but yeah. Um, Maybe metal flake in a paint that changes color. Metal flake color. is one of them. <laughs> yeah, changes color. <laughs> I learned about patents. 
There was a patent on that color. Okay. Uh, and, and, and that's going to lead us to that last question. I think you were, you were, you were hinting in one of the other interviews about your favorite book. Yeah. But there was a patent in that color. And that we did a pet, patent infringement uh, when we you, did that. You mean, now, this hey. is bizarre because you weren't a professional trying to sell anything. I, no. I, you mean you could actually patent a color and people couldn't use it? Oh, oh no. We didn't patent it. No, I mean, I mean some – well, obviously, yeah, the big oh, boys yeah. patent. I had no idea you could even do that with a color? It was there. Yes, yes. And, and understand how that works. Now, that, that color is produced – and they, they have the rights to that color, and they get the patent to that color. And no one is allowed to produce it. And if you can come close, and if they feel that you're infringing on their rights, they will absolutely give you a hard time. Wow. Or they'll come after you. It's not the same as the the uh, Blinky-like thing with the Ford Motor Company with the uh, what is it? Blinky windshield wiper. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's quite similar. Um, so they own their color, and they own the combination of – Pigments that go into each and every color. Same thing with many things that we manufacture. So we have uh, many different types of that same green today. Um, that I, I've seen it. I've never been able to come close to reproducing it. But that was an, an incredible acrylic paint. And that was theirs. It was for their Cadillac. So that was the first education. And I'm reflecting back in my mind here now. That was I was 15 years old. And I remember what they did. For our little gas station that we were working in, they were giving us fits, but they were kind about it because we did, in fact, give them credit after a while. And we, I don't know if Gary's ever participated in another car show uh, since then, but it was it was a real good experience for me. Yeah, we learned about paint, we learned about rust, I learned about lead, and I I, I really never stood around lead too much because I don't know if you're familiar with those uh, baby birds. There are a few items on them, a few spots when I'm judging. I try to stay away from the people that own them because I really have good experience in that area. And I said, you know, I, I know where you've leaded, plastic bondoed, whatever, and it because they just would rust. And um, I've always been kind of skeptical of how those rust, rusty cars work. And, and I say that now because the experience has been really strange with some of the ones that I've picked up. The Benzes have done well. The BMW, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Bavaria, is um, like the 2002 is the small, you know, the 2002 BMWs. Bavaria was a big daddy for that. It came over as a competition for the 420s or the 550, 500 Mercedes. And they, uh, I don't know how legal this is, but they actually rusted in the showroom. So that was <laughs> why this guy, you know, he said, you're going to have it. So the floor floor plates and that thing. So we've been very conscious of what we pick up or how we do it or how we're going to seal a car. So when I get them now, in the whatever I get, I, I even if it's new, I take it apart, and <laughs> rebuild it, so I don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. Uh, so my experiences were the the most traumatic vehicles experience I had was a '71 Austin Healey. Ah. Yeah. I was I was in college and I I borrowed it from a friend and I was shooting through Detroit and they had a highway that goes from one town it's almost underground. And I did a U-turn, and I hit the little button on the – or twisted the little button on the switch, which advances the timing. And it went around five times before I could get my foot to the brake. So oh, my I said, gosh. Speeding is not for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was facing the out traffic when it was over. Yikes. But that was the first lesson in making sure you understand everything that's in that vehicle before you turn the key. Yeah. And I that way yeah definitely uh yeah learn before you drive for sure you know yeah. speaking of all these great cars is there one vehicle in your life and you certainly have gone through a lot it sounds like one vehicle in your life that really stands out the one 
the the most fun vehicle to me is that that um, BMW because it's it's actually a five speed stick which is really odd and it's uh, it's the um, they call it the 3.0 it was the uh, first of that large series yeah. six cylinder engines which they still use today. And as a big vehicle, it is so much fun to drive. And that one is a lot of fun because everybody shakes their head. It's been painted and restored, and it's been a great project. I take it out once in a while, and I'll probably put it in a few a few shows next year, not this year. But it's it's been one of the best ones. Now, that's a four-door, right? That's the four-door? It's a four-door. It's the big Yeah, because a lot of people are used to – like I've had friends that have had the 3.0 CSLs, the two-door yes. coupes, which are beautiful, Batman. elegant cars. But you never saw them, really. Well, yeah, they did. Over the boat, they couldn't get off the boat, they would rust. But they anyway, couldn't get off the boat. They were, um, <laughs> they came over in 70, 71, 72. I believe there were a few early 69s issued. Mine's a 72. Uh, then they switched the names and then they went to the numbers shortly after that, a few years later. But it's, it's uh, roughly between the six and 700 series, and it's, it's the same car. I see the other cars, I just look and I laugh from time to time, but it really moves. There's no reason. To put it in first gear, unless you want to buy a new set of tires, it will scream. <laughs> really? And I, that's been the fun part about that car. Um, I, I went to for my children. We did Jeeps for my oldest son. You know, we all every Jeep car Cherokee out there. We've owned it. I have what three now, but we've owned it. I give one to my children when they start high school. I said, I don't care what the kids are driving. They're driving Ferraris. You're going to build a Cherokee, beat up Cherokee. Let's get busy. And they've. Then when they graduate high school, they get a, a new, a used one. When they graduate college, they get them a new one. And now they're bringing them back. <laughs> so, hey, Dad, uh, could you fix my my, my Cherokee? Oh, my daughter brings me her '95 back. I'm going. Wait a minute. She's and it's great. It's in great shape. Forty thousand miles, but it's a. It happens to be the 360 one. So you know, it's it's nice. That, and I feel they're safe in those. So we, you know, we've had our share of crack ups and crash ups and flip overs and running in the mud and all that. But it's it's something that they've walked through. And I always recommend that kind of an activity for, for a child. And then that way, you don't have to worry about it. I don't have to worry about them wanting to go to Alaska tomorrow and getting back home or going to Texas. So that's really been it. My, my favorite one is that BMW. My next one is that Sportline, that Mercedes. It's, it, gets the, it gets the garage queen slot. It sits in the garage until I want to go get another trophy or another award where I just take it out. It, it's, it's such a really nice, dreamy car. Um, but that's it, and it's fast. I have both. I have both the regular 300 CE and 92 now. 92 was kind of an odd year for for Mercedes. It was before, just before the Chrysler merge. And I have the Sportline, which was the predecessor during the negotiations for the AMG series. And Porsche made some of the pieces, and they made a few pieces, and then they put it all together with the same engine. So I have two of them in black, the stock version and the AMG, modified AMG version, Sportline. And I really love it. And there's a, all the difference in the world in the two vehicles. Beautiful. So I'm a bit of a car psychologist. You may not know okay. that, but I am. Uh, I have a certificate on the wall here. I made it in Photoshop, so it's not that authentic, <laughs> but you know. Yeah, and to stay on the wall, yeah. yeah I have a it looks Go special. Ahead. It looks special. So if you were reincarnated, Germany, as a vehicle, this isn't what you want to be, though. This is how you perceive the man in the mirror as a vehicle. What would you be and why? What would I be? What? Which car would I be? I would be a 1963, I'm sorry, 73 Mustang Boss. Oh, okay. And why is that? Two reasons. One, you can't keep the clutch in. Your leg will swell up. <laughs> and two, if you get it out, it'll pop the rear end. So they don't have a lot of miles on them. So they don't get much use. 
but they will move. So that that would be the first one. I wouldn't um, – what car would I be? That that would be close to it. I would do another Suzuki Aereo. I really would. If I could find one, they'd stop importing them. I would because there's nothing on the American market except the 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 Porsche that will come close to that little four-door car if you soup it up. So I, I learned that. It's a screamer. And I learned that in Atlanta one night. I was sitting in that little car, and a guy came up with a Z Camaro, a souped-up Camaro. And then on the other side, there was a guy on a Harley and I rolled the windows down and says, you guys want to take a run? The guy in the Camaro said, sure. The guy on the Harley, he looked. He said, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I said, okay. I'm <laughs> staying said, right here, guys. You just go I, have fun. Yeah, because he looked at it and he said, I've run those bikes. I said, yeah, I'll, I can take out the bikes. And it was nice. It was really a nice vehicle until someone decided they wanted to use it as a stopping device, which it didn't hold up really Ouch. well. <laughs> Well, but it was very safe. It was a five-star car. Yeah, we'll just call uh, we'll just call Germany the boss. Then there you go. How's that sound? That was that was it. I, I've driven many cars um, and trucks and vehicles, and I think that would that was the one I had the most difficulty putting the clutch. I'll never forget it. So they laugh, and I think in the and not to give away a story, but my next article, I don't know if it's going to make this edition, but the maybe twenty nine, I'll do a little skit on one because I know a guy in um another state that has one. So I'll put something in that article about, we were laughing about it the other day and that's that Mustang, but he, he has two in his inventory. I said, when he sent the picture, I said, let me have it. He said, why? I says, cause I think I still have some parts in the garage for the rear end. He said, do you really? I'll buy it. <laughs> yeah. So we do, you know, it's, it's nice. It's a nice world. It is not, it wasn't my total world, but it's a great thing to keep you busy. And if we can maintain the interest um, like I tell the people at the museums, we maintain the interest. I think we have a great future for our, for our up-and-coming students. The children that have activities keeps them out of trouble ordinarily. And I think it's the best thing best thing in the world for us is to have a hobby. For sure, yeah. Got to have a focus and a hobby, and cars are a great way to do that, and they bring us all together, that's for sure. How about a great book you'd like to share with us? You uh, alluded to one earlier in our talk. Uh, Arsenal Democracy. Oh, A.J. Bain. Uh, it, it goes along with the story – um, there's three three versions basically of that. Lincoln Steffens wrote one many many years ago, and it talks about our industrial age and how it compares and how we use it in the war war machine. It does a comparison between the between the manufacturers, how the manufacturers convert it, and also to uh, war machine, and then also takes us to how we profited off both sides. Uh, so it's an excellent. Excellent. For sure. He's a he's a great author. He's been a guest on the show a few times. Of course, oh. uh, Go Like Hell is another one of his books. Like and, but he's yeah. written some some really great books, really into history, too. So I'm going to enable you to go on what I call the ultimate drive. Now, you've been on, I think, a lot of ultimate drives. But this story, this side of it's a little different. I'm going to park anything in your driveway. It doesn't matter what it costs. We have unlimited funds here on Cars Out, which makes it kind of fun. You can take the car anywhere. But here's the key. You can take anybody with you, even somebody from the past who's no longer with us. So that can make the ride interesting. So what does the ultimate drive look like for a guy like you if cost is no worry? I would I would redo 66 and come back 20, two or three times. I would take, I'd go through the Chicago, take it out west, drop down through California and come back 20 all the way back to the coast. That would be the ultimate drive. And then I would probably take the rural routes after I take the highway. The question would be who would be my co-pilot or my assistant on that route. <laughs> I have a friend in Germany, and her brother is a – he runs the um, 
Bugattis, bicycles through the Alps. He would be my co-pilot. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a motorcycle person, but we had so much fun over there with cars. Um, that, and, and we handled the road well. But I think that would that would be the ultimate person. Uh, um, uh, Goodrin Gabriel would be my would be my assistant. Goodrin. So that begs to ask the final question: What am I parking in your driveway for? The <sighs> what would I drive? Any car in the world, anything. Don't worry about. It. Have to be a car. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. On the top end, I could I could actually take a, another Benz top end Benz. I'd have to take a, my five hundred if I finish it. I'd do that. If not, I'd go to Florida and visit some of my friends there and borrow one of their 600s, the long ones. And I would take that. Um, that would, that's what I would take for, for many reasons. You can stop. You don't have to worry. It's a smooth ride. And I get a chance to see the scenery. So I do more scenery than racing. If I was racing, I'd stick with a Ferrari. I really would. I, I would just walk that Ferrari. The Bentleys are not my style. They're, they're, there's just too much power there. Um, but the, the Ferrari is, is comfortable. It's a, it's an interesting ride. That that 360 is an interesting ride. But it would be my my second choice. That sounds like a fun ride. Yeah, you talk about the Bentleys. I would I got to go to a Bentley experience. My gosh, it was about 13 years ago. But they brought out the three brand new Bentleys to the racetrack here, and I went Bentleys on a racetrack. Why would I want oh, yeah. to do that? I was blown away. Oh my gosh, those cars, I mean, they're massive, they're heavy, they're big, but the brakes are huge. I mean, they're yes. giant. They're like giant pizzas. And uh, yeah, and they'll stop. And but they're, yeah, they're extremely fast. Very fast. I, I, yeah. I, I looked at one, uh, 2006. I don't remember what it was a convertible. And I called in our, you know, one of our major insurance, classic car insurance companies. And they said, you know, you have a lot of toys. I said, yeah. I said, but I was looking at this one, and this is a Continental. And she said, um, are you sure? Have you ever driven anything? I said, yeah, I've driven all kinds of things. And then I called the guy back. I said, what's the top end? And he told me. I said, well, I called him back. I said, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> because it's a beautiful vehicle, but they, they are screamers. I liked the most of all, the fastest, most unusual utilitarian vehicle is the, are the again, are my Jeeps. I have a son that has, he takes from one leftover ones and makes things out of them. And the, the 360, he just picked it up the other day and he took it back up to Virginia. And he said, I'm going to go tear it back and fix it up and bring it back down to you. So that's that's a screamer. That's an old school, but there's no electronic issues. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no shortage of parts. More, an, talking, more analog. 700,000 vehicles a year, There's it, parts are everywhere. So from that side, it's it's great. The newer ones, um, Benz has a couple nice AMGs. I'm, I wouldn't pass that up. I'll take a 63. <laughs> I take that back. I'll take a 63 and go on that trip. Either any of the 63s. Yeah. That would be nice there for sure. Well, Germany, you've taken us on an awesome ride today, and I really appreciate you spending some time with me. It's very nice to get to know you better. Before I let you go, could you share maybe some parting words of inspiration or wisdom with our listeners? Yeah. If you have a, if you have a moment to look at the way the articles are written, like these magazines that I'm the, the articles that we write, I try to put you in that seat when you're walking in the door, what you see and how you feel. So when you're going down the road, fast or slow, or someone's with you, think about how that other person, what they see and how they feel. A lot of people become very selfish when they're out there riding down the road or coming up with their products or showing their products. And if we all share the goodness of all of these vehicles and how we can make them a part of our lives, I think we'll, we'll make much more progress. We'll have, a, we'll have a better product. We'll have safer roads. I share with all my children. I have three sons. 
And of course, they all have at least three cars <laughs> and they're doing really well. And their wives are happy with that. Most of them weren't vehicle people, but now they're sharing in shows in different parts of the country. That's a nice growth item. If we use it, as my father used to say, remember, the most important part about having a car, it's transportation. <laughs> it is transportation. And I think that's, that's, that, that's a word to it wise. Very nicely said. How can people learn more about you? Are you active in social media, LinkedIn, or do you have a website? I, I, I don't. I don't know if I will again. Uh, I did for the photography for many years. I, do, I did series for the Alps insurance companies, and I'm currently working on a project for the restoration of Notre Dame because I did a study for the insurance company on that. So many of those photos are on their way out again today. Um, and I stepped back because it's, it's, there's so many tentacles. So I'm trying to get as much joy out of it, uh, just as I experienced today and yesterday, trying to find a picture of me and all of those things. Um, so I, I can be reached with my, my email address, which okay. is uh, germ, G-E-R-M underscore Greer, G-R-E-E-R, at msn.com. Go. I'll make sure I put that link on Germany's show notes page on the Car Show website. A shout out. Thank you to Sharon Sperland from Automobilia, the collector's resource magazine, where you can read articles that Germany has written. I encourage you to subscribe and enjoy because if you love Automobilia and all the things that come with the car collecting world, this is a publication you should get your hands on. Germany, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your experiences. You have a lot of them. I think we could talk for hours. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for your time. You're welcome. This was great fun. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. The RPM Apprenticeship Program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah! Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.